Praise the Lord. Thank you for worshiping the Lord with such uh, passion and enthusiasm. My name is Danny Forshee, and I welcome you uh, along with others, and we are glad that you're here to worship God with us today, both in the house as well as online. We're currently in the book of Acts studying, and so we invite you to turn with us and uh, come along in, in our journey as we look at Acts chapter 19. We'll look at verses 11 through 20 and give you just a moment if you have your Bible on your tablet, on your phone, or if you're old school like me, you're just holding it here in your hands, which I love it. And so I also have it here. Well, it's over there in my, in my phone as well. I got an interesting uh, email early this morning. I want to share a little bit of it with you because it's something I think you might be interested in and you may want to, to know about and also to help. All of us have been so concerned. We're continuing to pray for uh, what is happening in, in Europe as uh, Ukraine is continuing to be um, uh, in a war, a war for their life, for their sovereignty as a nation. And we as a church, I know myself and Ashley, we have supported financially and, and want to do whatever God would have us to do as a church and as individuals. But we have one of our members, one of our church members who's on the ground right now. He's in uh, Czechoslovakia, will probably be in Poland tomorrow and then be in Ukraine um, Tuesday. And so I want to pray for Fred. We're lifting him up. He has secured an 18-wheeler to go all the way into uh, Kiev with supplies. And so it's going to cost about $35,000 to get that done. And he just said, well, I'm just going to pay for it. And so I would love for our church to be able to help him underwrite as he is there literally on the ground and he's going personally, going to go into Ukraine uh, with a couple of other uh, brave souls to do some amazing things. So if you feel so led and you want to support that mission, that ministry, you can write a check to our church. Just put Ukraine on the bottom, the memo. And thank you, Ms. Davis. She directs our finances, director of finance here. She's going to go ahead and create a, a drop down on the website. If you go to ghbc.org, go to give, and you can see Ukraine. And I know... Uh, Ashley, we will want to, to do some more. Our church has already uh, done some wonderful things and support financially, but it's just not every day that you have a crazy church member like we got. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this guy is there. And so, man. And, and, and John, I use that crazy in a good sense, right? I mean, he's, he's there and he's on the ground. And I, I, we love Fred. Fred Upright has already taken on the country of Haiti and now he's over there uh, about to go into Ukraine. And, and if I didn't have a couple of funerals yesterday and if I wasn't uh, preaching here today in Missouri tomorrow, I probably would have gone with him um, because I was very, very close uh, to going. But I said, Fred, I got to be back for Easter. You know, and he said he got a one-way ticket, y'all. I don't know when he's coming back. Is that you, Paula? He's coming back, though. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. There's his precious wife, Miss Paula, and so we're praying for him. Just, I just got big respect for him. I, I do. I just have tremendous respect for what he's doing, and I'm so honored that we get to call him uh, as a member of our church. The name, the name of Jesus is moving forward. Nothing can stop him. Thank you. Um, thank you, Jeff. I know you looked at this text, and you picked those songs. Perfect, perfect songs. The title of my message today is Kratos. Uh, it's one of my favorite words in all the Greek uh, vocabulary. It literally means sheer, utter might or power and strength. I think the word dunamis, which we get our English word dynamite, that is strong. But if you take it up exponentially, another, another, another level, then you get to this word kratos, which means unmitigated, un 
unbridled power and strength. And that word is mentioned in our text. I'm gonna bring it out in a moment when we read it. And so let's go ahead and do it. Acts chapter 19, verses 11 through 20. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. And while he's in Ephesus, uh, even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. You said, now wait a minute, that's not in the Bible, is it? Well, actually it is in the Bible. And one of the beautiful things about preaching through books of the Bible, you get to uh, talk about some really interesting passages of Scripture. And I believe that this is God's Word to us, and God has it in here for a reason, right? He wants us to understand. And so in verse 13, it says, Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. And they said, We exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul <laughs> preaches. We don't really know this Jesus, but we've heard about him and we want to exercise you demons in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches, right? Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, or Sceva, a Jewish chief priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said to them, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, those seven men, overpowered them, prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. That's in the Bible too. I just read it, right? That's pretty amazing. This became known, word travels fast, right? Especially the supernatural and the spectacular. This became known to all the Jews and Greeks dwelling in the city of Ephesus. And fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, many of those who had practiced magic, witchcraft, uh, necromancy, the occult, it was very, very prominent in the city of Ephesus. And so many of those people who practiced that dark magic, they brought their books together and they burned them, burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver, so that the word of the Lord grew kratos. The word of the Lord grew kratos mightily, and that word uh, prevailed. Father, we thank you for your word. It is life to our flesh. It is healing to our spirits. We're grateful that we can read it and preach it. We thank you, Lord, for the power of the gospel. Thank you, Jesus, that you have not surrendered one iota of your strength, your might, your kratos. You are ruling this world. You're in control. And Lord, though it's dark and, and though times are hard, and, but the prince of darkness grim, we do not tremble for him. For we know that one little word from your breath, from your mouth, Jesus, will slay him. But in the meantime, Lord, we press on and we sing your name, we preach your name, we love you, we bear witness for the gospel in a dark city, in a dark time. And Lord, thank you that the light of the gospel cannot be snuffed out. We pray now that you'd speak to us, Lord, and encourage us as we 
preach your word, as we sing your praise, as we think about our brother Fred over there in Ukraine and many others, Lord, who are serving on some very difficult fronts. We're asking you, God, to protect them and bless them and use them. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Battle of Waterloo happened in 1815. And the two competing armies, you had Britain and Prussia on the one side, and then you had Napoleon on the other side. All five foot two of him, Napoleon, the general of France. And they were in deep combat and war. And really, England, the Battle of Waterloo, they were on edge, and they were waiting for news to come from the battlefield. And they agreed that they would pronounce the news, and they would put it either on a, on a banner or they would post it somehow upon the cathedral, Winchester Cathedral. And so the Duke of Wellington, he is fighting Napoleon's army and people are on edge, true story, Battle of Waterloo and what will happen. And, and so word came out and they put it up on top of the, the cathedral and it said, Wellington defeated. And so all of England just mourned. They just catched the grass for their breath and they were like, oh no. If we can't stop him, nobody is going to stop him. And so Napoleon has won yet another battle. But some of you know your history and you're thinking, but wait a minute, I thought Waterloo was Napoleon's downfall. Well, what happened is when the fog lifted, they could read clearly and it said, Wellington defeated the enemy. And so they won, they won. When I read the, the book of Acts, and especially chapter 19, it's almost a fog that settles in on my mind. It looks like the enemy has won yet again. I mean, Paul is in Ephesus. And try to paint the picture for you uh, this morning to what Ephesus really looked like. Um, first of all, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world was in Ephesus. The goddess uh, Artemis, also known as Diana, it was believed that she supernaturally had fallen from the heavens and landed in this statue in, in uh, Ephesus. And so the people, it was their goddess. They worshiped her and they just, uh, I mean, it, it was just the religion of the day. And commingled with that was this strong sense of sorcery, dark magic, necromancy, the witchcraft. I mean, it was very, very prominent in the city of Ephesus, so you've got most of the people, 99 point something percent of the people, if they're not a little small band of Jews, then they are worshiping the goddess Diana and Artemis. And in, the, and in their spare time, they are practicing their, their witchcraft and, and invoking these demons. And so all of a sudden, here comes Paul. And Paul, he is preaching Jesus Christ. And you've got all of these things happening. And it looks like, well, maybe Paul... Maybe the gospel, maybe they've met their match, right? I mean, who can overpower such darkness? But as you read with me and as you study the Bible, you see that Jesus has yet to meet his match. A strong arm of the Lord will yet prevail again and again. So we're in the book of Acts. We're studying the book of, uh, we're studying chapter 19, but I can't help but think about the book of Ephesians because Paul will help plant the church, and then he'll write a whole letter, an epistle, uh, to the church at, uh, at Ephesus. And it's not a coincidence that Ephesians chapter 6 contains the most prominent passage in all the Bible on spiritual... Anybody? 
on spiritual warfare. That's right. Spiritual warfare, because he was so accompanied with it or so in, um, engrossed with it because of what he was dealing with in the city of Ephesus. Remember, it was Paul who said, church, put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against all the schemes, the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, and we don't. Our enemy is much greater than a mere mortal human being, uh, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And you read that, and I read that, and you can almost get intimidated and think, oh, wow, you know, uh, God, we know evil is real. I mean, it's, it's just unmitigated. It just seems unbridled in our world, in our city here in Austin, where so many people, Lord, they disregard you, and they don't believe in you. And then you go overseas, and man, you got a whole nation trying to literally, a whole nation is trying to blow to smithereens, if you will, another sovereign nation. And we look at that and go, who can come against that? What power is there in the universe that is greater than darkness? And I submit to you, Great Hills, that power is the power of Jesus. He and he alone has that power. So you come to the book of, of Acts and 19 and you're studying with me. I don't know if you can envision in your mind's eye, there's, there are 127 marble pillars and they're scattered and they have this humongous tent. The dimensions are 425 feet by 200 feet. And there she sits in all of her glory, Artemis, Diana. They have a, they have a whole theater um, that, that people will go in and, and, and they have their activities. And I've been to that theater. And that theater, by the way, is incredibly preserved. I mean, it just like it jettisons up to the sky and I could just, and there comes a time, we'll get to it eventually, where Paul literally, I mean, they're, they're thirsty for his blood. They wanna kill him and martyr him because of his preaching uh, this gospel that is contrary to the goddess that they worship. So I wanna look with you today at a, at a few things from our text. Uh, first of all, just the confirmation of the gospel as Paul preaches it in Ephesus and you'll look at it with me, if you will, in verse 11. God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. And I chuckle because, man, we're about to see some unusual miracles. Interesting enough, in verse 11, the word translated miracles is the word dunamis. Uh, dunamis. God worked unusual, powerful manifestations of his great power in the midst of such a dark city. So verse 12 Luke, remember, who wrote the book of Acts, who's a first-rate historian, uh, he's a medical doctor. He says that Paul, you know, Paul would work, um, Paul was a day laborer, if you will, meaning that he worked, he sweat, he made material, a lot of the materials that he made would be crafted in such a way they would provide coverings for people or tents. He was known as a tent maker. In, in your Bible, it says handkerchiefs, and a good translation would be a sweatband. So Paul, I don't know if he may have been like me or I'd be like Paul. I mean, I, I can't hardly do anything without sweating. I mean, I just sweat profusely. So he has this headband and he has this, um, a good translation would be an apron, okay? So he, he has this covering over his lower body and he has this apron, um, excuse me, this handkerchief here. And as he's working, now he would get up really oh dark 30 and he would work till about 11 o'clock. And then he would 
probably get a little quick bite to eat, and he'd run over to the school of Tyrannus, and he would teach till about four o'clock. And so what they did is they took his sweatbands, are you with me? And they took his apron, and they would go over, and look at verse 12, uh, they, they took the handkerchiefs, the aprons, they brought from his body to the sick people, and they put them on the sick people, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. You say, man, that's crazy. What is going on? Remember the city. Re remember they're engrossed with the supernatural. And God is doing something to counter all of this wickedness and all of the manifestations of that wickedness. God is saying, watch this. And so God does, and he, he works in power. And, and this is not totally without precedent, right? I think about Jesus in Mark 6, 56. Let me read this to you. Wherever Jesus went into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces, and they begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. I think about Peter in Acts chapter 5, verse 15, another supernatural manifestation of God's power over sickness, over disease and darkness, so that they brought the sick out into the streets. They laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow, the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on them. And when that happened, they were, they were healed. One biblical scholar said it like this. He said, this most unusual vehicle of healing, blessed by God during Paul's ministry at Ephesus, does not seem to be characteristic of apostolic labor in other locales, even in the book of Acts. By late in the first century, such authentic authentication of miracles was diminishing, if not absent altogether. In other words, this is not a precedent-setting ministry. Um, this was an unusual, look, God did something supernatural. Could God do that again today? Absolutely. By the way, y'all, God can do anything. And anything God did in this book, God can do in our day uh, today. Unfortunately, there are some charlatans uh, some hucksters, some people who pretend to be evangelists. Yeah, maybe y'all saw him on TV many years ago. He had his apron. No, his handkerchief, right? He had a handkerchief. He said, I've dipped this in the Jordan River. And if you will just call us and, uh, and send us $15, we, amen, amen. You send us $15, we will take this handkerchief and we will send it to you. You put it on your forehead, on your body, and, and you will be healed. And people just bought into that. And they were sending this televangelist money over money. And I'm sure he was thinking, well, I've got precedent. You know, I can go to Paul. Look, you ain't no Paul, right? And, and he, Paul wasn't doing this to make money. Paul was doing this because this was an unusual authentication. The key word I want you to think about, Great Hills, is confirmation. God was confirming the message of the gospel preached with signs and wonders. And so, don't get any ideas about prayer cloths. Paul was not selling his handkerchiefs, another writer says, or his aprons. They were borrowing them and applying them to the sick. And God, this is really important, I hope you understand this text clearly. God, in this critical juncture in the church's history, being a God of incredible patience and grace, he met this, these people. He met these people who are so infatuated with the supernatural and with the demonic and witchcraft. God came in through patience and grace. He met these people on their own level with a bona fide miracle or miracles 
accommodating himself to their uninstructed faith. And then in verse 12, Luke distinguishes, if you'll notice, between sickness and demonic possession. Did y'all hear that? That there is a difference. Not every sickness is due to uh, demonic possession or obsession, right? It's not. Uh, there, there are some sicknesses, most sicknesses are just sicknesses. Dr. John Murray sitting out here in the congregation, he could say amen. You know, there are a lot of diseases and sicknesses that are not associated with uh, the demonic. Now, am I mitigating the demonic? Absolutely not. Uh, I think there are two great dangers, and I think C.S. Lewis talked about this, when you start talking about uh, evil and the demonic. You make too much of it or you make too little of it, right? And so you gotta find that, that good balance that, that the Bible has. But God confirmed, he authenticated Paul's ministry among the people in Ephesus in a very unusual and powerful way. Now, let me just say this again. I have no problem with this passage of Scripture. I, I have no problem with axe heads floating, with men being swallowed by fish, I don't have any problem with people's leprosy being hit. I don't have leprosy. Some of y'all ask me about my hands. I got lots of stuff going on in my hands. That's called the dermatologist who loves me. And she'd burn my hands up, taking all these spots off of my hands. When you got skin like this, can y'all see this skin? That's white as snow, white as my hair, right? I had a dermatologist one time in Arkansas. She took one, I kid you not, I walked into the office I'd never seen her before. She had never seen me. She took one look at me and she goes, sir, you and I are going to become great friends. I, like, I don't want to be your friend. You know, I just help this, help this body with all these spots and so forth. So that's all that is. Number two, confrontation. There's a confrontation coming. In verses 13 through 16, look at it. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves. Now, Exorkiston. Exorkiston is the Greek word. It's the only time this word's ever used in the New Testament. I think that's important. Only time it's ever used, and it's used here with these people who are much like Simon Magus in Acts chapter 8, who are charlatans, right? They don't know Jesus, but they've seen the power of Jesus, and so they are going to invoke his name, okay? in hopes that they can cast out these demonic spirits. By the way, look, guys, when you, when you dabble into witchcraft and sorcery and, and, the, and the dark occult, look, when you do that, you are opening yourself up for demons and they will gladly come in. And that's why I tell people, stay as far away from these Ouija, Ouija boards, tarot cards, or any of that stuff. The Bible says don't give place or opportunity to the devil because he surely will take advantage of it. And so here comes this priest um, and his seven sons. And they say in verse 14, you know, he's like, hey, Man, what's up? Man, you got, some, you got some power going on, and we don't know about that kind of power. So in the name of G, what was his name, Paul? You're preaching G, Jesus? Okay, in the name of Jesus, demons come out. Now, when, the, when Luke says that he was a priest, one, one writer I read said this. He said, you need to think of quotation marks. When it says he was a priest, Luke is say, Luke's saying he was a priest. <laughs> Are you with me? A priest, not a real priest of God, but he was a charlatan and so were his sons. And so they come along and they're going to um, try to have an exorcism. These phonies, 
were invoking the name of Jesus without knowing his person or his power. And the demon exposed them for who they were. Verse 16, the confrontation escalates to a physical level. So you got this one demon-possessed man. And by the way, they, they've invoked the name of Jesus, but it didn't matter because they didn't know Jesus. They didn't know the power of Jesus. And, and Jesus is not some name to be taken trifled with or taken lightly. And so this demon-possessed man comes out and he just jumps on these seven guys and whips them and beats their clothes off of them and they run around naked. And I'm like, good night, what in the world? And that's in the Bible, but it's what happened. So why would God include this in his word? What I get from it is you should be careful. Be careful with dealing in darkness. And if you don't know Jesus, you, you better get to know him because his is the only power that can truly overcome the night, the darkness. So that's the confrontation. Let me get to some good stuff. This is the conviction. This is my favorite part. In verses 17 through 19, I want you to notice three things with me as I share this, share with you this morning. First of all, the word got out about the seven sons of Sceva. Now, they didn't have uh, CNN and Fox and ABC. They didn't have news. They didn't have internet, mass communication. But I'm telling you, when word got out in Ephesus that this one demon-possessed man jumped on the priest and his sons and beat them all up, I mean, they were like, wow, this is, this is crazy stuff going on. Those who really know Jesus, by the way, listen to this, are never overpowered by darkness. It is impossible for a child of God, a woman of God, or a man of God to be possessed by demons. It can't happen because the evil spirit cannot come in where the Holy Spirit lives. Now, if you don't know Jesus Christ, that is very good probability, and there may, may be some people in this very room, that you don't know Jesus Christ and you are being, you're being taken, somebody got a target on you to come after you the spirit of darkness and, and demons. Look, Paul says, look, we, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. This is a much grander scale. It's much more powerful than you can ever imagine. There's only one power strong enough to defeat darkness, and that's the power of Jesus when you properly know him, okay? So that's the first thing is the word got out. Number two, fear fell on all the people. Phobos. People are like, what in the world? Jesus, the name of Jesus is being preached and those who really know him and walk with him and serve him, that name has power over all the witchcraft and over all the darkness. And yet on the other hand, if you don't really know him and you try to invoke him, then nothing really happens for you. They're like, whoa, man, this is, this is beyond me. This is, this is, what is going on here? And so word is starting to get out and that's exactly what God wanted. God wanted the word to get out. He used the supernatural. And, and so as God is working, things are happening and, and it's forming a platform for the gospel to go forward. Number three, because of this incident, the name of Jesus Christ was now beginning to be magnified. It's the word there in verse 17. It's the word megaluno, which is interesting to me. Uh, the word magnified uh, is the Greek word megaluno. You know what the word mega means. It means large. It means prodigious, prominent. And so is Jesus Christ. All this talk about Jesus. Y'all know what? 
I love that. And I love that. Bless you. I know, I love that. Uh, there's so many things going on this morning. Woo, woo. Um, I love that Jesus is being preached here. I love that he's being sung here. I love that um, that he's our focus. And I'm not your focus. <laughs> and Jesus is king. And we worship him. And there is no power like the power of Christ. Verse 18 Many now are going to get saved. Verse 18 says, Many pastuo, they believe, they committed their lives to Christ. And then you have firsthand witnesses saying they, they demonstrate the power of God, the conviction of God. They begin to tell their story. Did you see that in verse 18? They confessed and told how God had saved them from their sins. Now, what I think is happening here in Ephesus is they're having testimonies. And people are like, Look, Jesus Christ has saved me. I used to be immersed in this whole world of witchcraft. And God has so touched me. And my testimony is I used to be in bondage to that. Now watch this. The enemy loves darkness. He doesn't like exposure. And when you start exposing, for example, pornography, so many of you are, are, are hooked on it. And yet when you, when you start getting victory over it and you start confessing it to people and people are holding you accountable, the devil hates that. He wants to keep everything closed. He wants to keep you isolated and alone and thinking that you're the only person dealing with this. And I praise God for the victory in Jesus Christ to overcome any and every sin. I don't care what the sin is. I don't care what the addiction is. Some of you may be demon-possessed. I'm telling you, Jesus is stronger than that. Some of you are so hooked on pornography, statistics say like seven out of eight, seven to eight out of every 10 men in this room are looking at it. Jesus is stronger than that. He's more beautiful than that. And he, I'm telling you, he and he alone has the power to break that addiction. Only Jesus can do that. And whatever your anger is or your addiction is or, or whatever you're hooked on, whatever that is holding you back from being all that God wanted you to be and God desires for you to be for your life, for your family, for our church, for this city, Jesus Christ can make it happen. And I'm telling you, it's only Jesus. There's no other, there's no other way. There's no other name. And so these people are testifying going, look, I used to be held captive to this. And so they bring their books, verse 19, their scrolls and all this magic, and they burn them in the sight of all. And it reminded me of 1 Thessalonians 1, 10 and 11, 9 and 10. I love this. For they themselves... In this whole lost world, they declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how. You turned, look at these little prepositions, I love this. To God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Darlene, it's a true story, and Darlene Seal was her name. She was um, um, 
she came from a rough family, a home life, and I don't even think her dad was even in her life, but her mom was, and, and her mom was just, I mean, they just, how do I say it? They, they just did not get along, right? And so Darlene was like, as soon as I can get out of here and go to the college, university, I am out of here, and she did. And she took off, and she went to the university, and she ran for student government, and she was elected. And one of her responsibilities was to elect a keynote speaker who would come in to the auditorium and address the student body. And Darlene did not know the Lord, and she really hadn't had much interest in Christianity. And what she had been exposed to, she didn't like, so she asked one of the most noted atheists in the country to come to her university and to be the guest speaker. True story. And I'll tell you the title of the article at the end of the story, because it's kind of funny. So Darlene secures this atheist. She comes, she walks up, she gets behind the, the, the podium. Vulgar. Kids are laughing. They just think that's the funniest thing. And then she turns. The speaker turns her attention well, let me just ask you a question. Do you think she was, the atheist, turned her attention towards Buddhism <laughs> or Islam or Christianity? It's, yeah, something about its name, right? So this lady just comes down. I mean, she's bringing the heat against Christians. And Darlene was thinking, this is not good <laughs> because I, I'm not a Christian but I have friends in the auditorium who are Christians and this atheist is calling them out. In fact, there were two girls, June and Carrie, had befriended Darlene. And even though they were totally different in their ideologies and their belief systems, June and Carrie just kept loving on Darlene, encouraging her and inviting her to their Bible studies and so forth. So when the, when the atheist finished speaking, Darlene was supposed to pick up the atheist and take her to the airport but she said, I'm, I'm not going to spend any more time with you. Uh, I, I'm going to get you a ride. Good riddance. I've got something I need to do. And so this is what she did. She went to June and Carrie's dorm room. And she knocked on the door, and there they were. And they were startled because this, this speaker literally called them out and was, I mean, vulgar. I mean, just full of Satan, right? And Darlene said, look, I know we don't believe the same, but I had no idea. I really had no idea she was, she was gonna be so vulgar and so, so mean to you. And June and Carrie said, Darlene, it's okay. We love you. And that was the turning point. Because this is what Darlene said. And this is a quote. In all my study of the occult, I never heard anything about love. They gave her a New Testament. Darlene took it, and she began to read it. And it's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of fun, because she's like reading it for the first time, right? And she's going, dude, wait a minute. Jesus is real? I mean, he, and she keeps reading the gospel. She goes, he lived? He really did live? This is not a joke? And she keeps reading. She goes, he died? Oh, my word, he died? He died on a cross for my sins? He arose from the dead? This is, you mean this is... This is real. She goes, Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. And you know what? He did. He came into her heart. And here's what they did. Darlene, after six months, 
June and Carrie are praying for her and, and inviting her to, to come to know the Lord and giving her this New Testament. Darlene comes to her and she goes, look, it's all true. I believe it all. I've given my heart to Christ. Now I need y'all to help me do something. They said, we'll be glad to. They went on the backside of the dormitory and here come Darlene Seal with every witchcraft, occult, necromantic book you can imagine. And they put it out on a, on a pile and they lit a match to it and they started praising the name of Jesus for setting her free. Yeah. The title of the article that I got that story from, y'all ready for this? The Atheist That Led Me to God. <laughs> She's like, whatever that atheist had, I didn't want that. something about the name, the name of Jesus. I'm so glad we get to, to read it, to study it, to preach it. So we have the confirmation. Um, God is saving people in Ephesus. The confrontation, there's a lot going on, right? Demons and witchcraft. And third is the, the conviction. You know, God is convicting people of their sins. They're coming in droves and they're saying, look, We walk away from this. This holds no hope for us. And then finally, and, and Luke concludes this part of the story with the word of, con I call it continuance, because in verse 20, it says, in, in 19, 20, so the word of the Lord, I love that, the word of Jesus, the word of the Lord grew, kratos mightily, grew mightily, and the word of the Lord, it prevailed. It was like a, like a small ember, you know, like a little, like a little flame. And, and, and you know how you, you, you make a fire and you're kind of blowing on it and you're, you're trying to get it to, 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 to ignite, to light, and then it starts. And then this flame of the gospel, it, it just kept gaining momentum and growing and growing so much so that a, that a city... A whole city, so many in the city were turning from Satan and the demonic and they were turning uh, to Christ. Yeah, Lord, do it again. Do it in our life. Do it in our city. A city so infatuated with darkness, with the occult. Um, wouldn't it be awesome to be alive And to be here and to experience Jesus just sweeping through the city of Austin. And so many come into faith in Christ. I meet with a group of guys every month, bless their hearts, bless my heart. We're, there's two and a half hours of prayer and, and meeting and strategizing. And this is pastor over at Hill Country, pastor at Gateway, pastor over at Life Austin. And, and we, just, we just pray, we pray that God would do something in our city Some of our guys are so burdened. We, we're tired of South by Southwest not having any gospel witness. So next year, the goal for the Christ Together Greater Austin is we want to have some kind of witness at the South by Southwest. Wouldn't that be cool if we could do that? I think that would be so, so cool. I see Paul in three years sharing the gospel. And by the way, it's about to get hard 
Paul's about to have a riot. They're, the whole city's going to be in an uproar because a lot of people don't believe. They don't accept Christ. And you'll see it as we, as we continue uh, to study. I'm, I think I'm hearing the Lord right. I, I think I need to depart from Acts for a little while. There, there's some messages I think the Lord is putting on my mind to preach here at Great Hills, and I hope that you'll pray for me. I'm, um, I don't know what all it looks like. It's probably going to start on Easter, uh, two weeks from today. Can y'all believe Easter is two weeks from today? And I think I'm gonna, it's going to be a series of messages about the battle of the mind. That's, that's what I'm looking at. Just the war that goes on in our minds and how that impacts um, so many things like anger, addictions, uh, offenses, and unforgiveness, and those kind of things. And so uh, as hard as it is for me to depart from preaching the book of Acts, I think because so many in our church, in our city, are so hurting, and there's so many battles being lost in people's minds, that I'm going to take a humble attempt uh, to preach a series of sermons on helping us win the battle of our minds, um, winning the war in our minds. So two weeks from today, I'm, I'm asking you all to pray for me, and that is Easter, and then we'll launch that series um, for the next several weeks on winning the war in our mind. Then we'll come out, hopefully next week, can y'all believe this is possible that I can go from verses 21 to 41? I don't know if that's possible, but I'm, I'm, I'm willing to maybe try because I really would like to finish out chapter 19 and, and then do 20 through 28 at a, at a later date as we finish it out. I, I shared with our group Wednesday night in our prayer meeting, I've, I've never seen so much struggle in my life, in my, how long have I been doing this? I've been preaching since I was 17 and I'll, I'll be 58 here in a couple of months, so I'm not good with math. I just know that's a lot of years. But I've never seen in my life so many people hurting, so many battles being lost, and so many just in their minds that they just, that's where this battle is. So I'm, I've already put myself out there now. I better get to studying. I've already begun studying. But I do ask y'all to, to pray for me because uh, I need the messages. Y'all all right? Is that okay? Be humble and... Maybe I'm not preaching it as much for you as I am for me. Because the battle for me is won and lost right here. And if I can win this war, this war that rages in, in my mind, just like today, to get up here and to preach this message was a miracle of God. Because what I deal with is just what I deal with. And I got on my knees before the Lord at the altar. I said, God, I can't. And then Jesus said, remember what I prayed. If it be your will, God, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I want to do, but your will be done. And so I preached this message against the demonic. How would y'all like to have preached this message and face the crap I got to face this morning? Pardon me if that offends you, but it's, it's on, it is on for Brother Danny in my mind, in my heart, just struggling and just pushing forward against darkness. And I tell you, Great Hills, if it weren't for the Holy Spirit and for the lady in yellow up here, I would not be here. 
I couldn't. I couldn't make it just because of the wars, the battles that I face. I hope you'll encourage me. Hope you'll pray for me. Just say, hang in there, Brother Danny. Hang in there. Keep going. You're on the winning team. God's got you, Philip. God bless your soul. Laid hands on me. Right before I got up here to preach, and he said, remember what you said yesterday in the funeral. I had two funerals yesterday. I was at the abortion clinic getting cussed out, praying yesterday. Welcome to my world, right? I'm not cussed out exactly, but people were mean yesterday as they drove by and standing there with Pearl and Pat. I don't know if y'all heard that or not yesterday, the names we were called and all. So it's a battle, Jeff. I mean, we're in it. I wonder if it's because we're helping start a new work up in Liberty Hill. I wonder if we're known in hell. I wonder if the devil's mad, you know, so. Anybody else here relate to the struggle of the mind and, and just winning the war in your mind? Does anybody relate to that? Okay, good. All right, good. Well, that's a little bit of confirmation. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray and uh, we'll have our invitation. Thank you, Lord that you're so much stronger and that the name of Jesus went forth today and proclaimed. Uh, Lord, in weakness, um, but yet, Lord, with power because it's your word. Lord, we're praying today for souls to be saved, for miracles to happen. Lord, I'm praying that wars would be won between people's ears and their minds, God. And those wars would be won in my own mind, in my own heart. So much darkness, Lord, and so much opposition to the gospel. But Lord, I, I, I long for the day and I'm laboring for the day when revival comes. And the Spirit of God sweeps across Great Hills Baptist Church and, and things happen, Lord. People are saved and, and lives are transformed. And Lord, I know, I know you can and I know you desire it. So we're asking you, Lord, that you would do it. Lord, we're praying now. I know that. And Lord, you know my heart. I've, ne I've never seen it. I've never in all my years of teaching and preaching the word, I've, I've never seen so many people hurting so deeply in their marriages, with their kids, with their kids. Church family, I don't know if y'all know this or not, but there's an epidemic among teenagers of depression and suicidal thoughts and cutting. And it's so sad and it breaks my heart. So Father, I'm praying I, I, as I pray for the world, but I also pray and especially pray for our church, Lord, for our people. I pray for Brother Jeffrey. I pray God for Gary. I pray for those that serve in our student ministry. I pray for Teresa and our children's ministry. I, Lord, I pray for protection. I pray for victory. I pray, God, that these battles that are being waged, Lord, that you would grant victory to us. If you're here today and your head's bowed and your eyes are closed, maybe, maybe you would come, I don't know, there's somebody here at the altar and you'd say, I want to come pray for you. I want to pray with you. Uh, they, they, maybe you would pray and, and you'd come and say, I need help. I, I mean, I feel this. I understand this this light and darkness, this war that's being waged. Before the king comes, there's this great war being waged for the hearts and the minds, the souls of men and women and boys and girls and students. And so 
Maybe you just come and pray with us at the altar. Thank you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jeff, you come and lead us as we stand and we'll have our